Jewish Latin Princess episode 176, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Happy Friday. It's Ask Yael time. Hope everyone is getting ready for Shabbat. We have a full house again over here, and we're actually going away for Shabbat. We're taking over a Chabad house whose um, shluchim, the rabbi and his wife and family are going away for a well-deserved vacation. So that's always fun for our family to do and we're looking forward. And it's not in our area, it's a bit of a drive. So we're gonna make a family trip out of it and have a nice outing on Sunday. So we're looking forward to that. I heard a lot of great feedback on Monday's episode with my husband, Rabbi Matt Trush. Apparently you loved it. It was pretty fun to record. Yes, it was. And I do wish he had given me, well, us more time, but hey, we got what we got and I'm pretty happy that you enjoyed it. Thank you for all the messages, the DMs on Instagrams, the um, posts on Instagram stories and the emails. If you didn't catch that episode, it's Monday's show, episode 172. All right, so let's go ahead and pick our reviewer of the week. This week we have Shuli, who just posted this week, she said, just start listening. I've been listening to Yael for years in English and Spanish on my commutes. Her interviews make my tough drives go by so quickly. She just started posting mini-sodes, which are perfect for my now busy mom lifestyle. Love the bits of wisdom and have enjoyed seeing her growth throughout the years. She asks good questions, listens to her guests and has a great attitude. Well, thank you, Shuli. Thank you for that. It sounds like you've been here for a while, which is amazing. I so appreciate that. I mean, so much has happened in the almost four, five years that I've been producing this show. And I'm so grateful to you, my listeners. Glad you're enjoying these mini-sodes, this new idea. And yes, moms do have busy lifestyles and sometimes a little soundbite here and there is really what we can squeeze in, right? So I'm happy that we're able to bring that to you. Shuli, send me a DM on Instagram and tell me that you're the Shuli that send in this review and we will send you a link for us to connect over the phone. I'm really looking forward to that. All right, so let's go through the mailbag. By the way, if you ever wanna co-host with me, all you have to do in one of these Ask Yael episodes, all you have to do is DM me on Instagram or drop an email, yael at jewishlatinprincess.com. Tell me who you are, why you wanna co-host and we'll try to make that happen. All right. So today's questions. The first question comes from Anonymous and she asks, I just worked on our budget yesterday and I don't understand how as a couple with no kids, our expenses are close to $15,000 a month and I don't even know where to cut from. Expenses include taxes, miser, maaser, and a tiny bit of savings. How do I start cutting? All right, Anonymous. Well, first let's start by celebrating. First of all, kudos to you for getting really clear on your numbers. Um, you know, doing that tracking, that's really the first step to be able to do that tracking so that you could create a plan. So amazing. Well done. And that is huge. Um, getting that sense of where the money's going, how much do we actually spend on what, right? And so now you've done that. Now you can move forward. Now you can create that plan. The other thing to celebrate here is that 
you've noted that the expenses include really important things, taxes, MICER and savings. I noticed that, yes, she has these three line items, you know, these three things itemized, and they should be the first three thing, three line items on your plan. So good job there. Now, you say that your expenses are close to $15,000 with no children and that that seems very high to you. And you seem to be asking me, you know, where would I suggest that you cut? How do you cut? Okay, so before I answer that, I will say that while this number does look high to me, but again, I live in Texas, right? So cost of living is much lower. Um, it definitely does sound, sound high to me for a couple with no children. I don't know where you live and your mortgage, you know, depending on where you live, your mortgage or your rent, I don't know which one you have, could be really, you know, sometimes three times what I pay in taxes. And I also don't know how much you're paying in taxes. Um, if your MICER is 10% or 20%, you know, although 10% is the minimum, the ideal, some people, you know, give more up to 20% is what we're required to give, but at a minimum 10, I'm assuming you give 10. Um, and I don't know how much you're actually saving, right? You say little, but again, that's relative for all, you know, you're saving upwards of 20% of your income, but that seems, seems little to you. So we don't know. So we're dealing with a few unknowns here, but I'll give you some benchmark benchmarks and some ideas of how I would go about this process. So you don't have children yet. So you don't have the investment of a private Jewish education, which sometimes tends to be, well, I would say most of the time, tends to be even more than what we pay in housing. Um, it tends to be our biggest expense. While for most people who are not putting their kids through that experience, you know, housing tends to be their biggest expense, okay? We're not gonna tell that to the mortgage companies, right? <laughs> but that is just the reality of what we deal with. We're happy, again, we've talked about this before, this is what we spend our money on, and I'm not saying it's easy, but this is it. So just to give you you a benchmark um, in terms of the housing, right? Housing should be usually like the recommended range. It should be between 20 and 30% of your gross income. Um, that's before taxes, right? So in certain cities, I do get that that's really hard to achieve, but at least just so that you see where you're holding, right? You know, where in that range you are and how comfortable are you with that? There's another way of looking at this, which is to use the, what they call the 50-30-20 rule, which <clears throat> suggests how to allocate your take-home pay. And this is after taxes, okay? So take-home pay, so after taxes now we're talking. So 50% would be on needs, 30% on wants, and 20% on savings, including cash savings and retirement investment savings. Now, being that we're Jewish, and you did mention MICER, so I assume that you, um, so it's obviously safe to assume that you want to, you know, that you practice this this mitzvah, right? The 50% that, you know, they say in needs, obviously needs also to include our MICER, right? So bear that in mind. So under needs, you'd have MICER, you'd have housing, you'd have transportation, you'd have utilities, you have food. Um, so that might mean that we're really talking about 60% here, right? It might mean that your wants will have to be trimmed a little bit, or maybe your savings. I mean, it just depends if, you know, do you really want to fund your needs? So here, there's no one size fits all. I guess that's what I'm trying to communicate, but it's just to kind of like start giving you perspective. Now, what I would do in your situation, if, if this 
you know, number that you found, you feel like it's too big and you feel like perhaps the money's not being allocated where you want. Perhaps you want to increase on your savings. That's sort of where I feel you're going with this. Perhaps what you found out is like, whoa, we're spending so much money and we don't even have kids yet. You know, shouldn't a lot of that be saved up since we have the income? Because it seems like you don't have any debt. At least you didn't mention it, right? So, how does one go about um, looking critically at these numbers and trimming some of it, right? This I learned from Mara Strom, actually, from Kosher on a Budget. And she she's actually been here on the show several times. She was one here on an episode where I interviewed her and she wasn't an Ask Yael as a co-host as well. So she once taught the students in my program, Jewish Money Makeover, a really great way to start trimming when we realize that we have to. Um, so we're not, first of all, we're not trimming my start. We're not trimming our savings, hopefully, right? Unless obviously, you know, we have our investment amount on autopilot and on track and we have like a liquid cash cushion that we're really comfortable with. We, we're not trimming that and we're going to keep working on building that and obviously giving our MISER as we're supposed to. So from everything else that's available, how do we cut? Well, Mara suggests that we look at our expenses in three categories and we label them as such. And that is variable non-essential, variable essential, and fixed. And we can sort of understand intuitively what that means, right? Fix is very obvious. It's housing, home insurance, homeowners associations, tuition, all that stuff, right? Variable essential are things like food, like water, electricity, etc. right? I mean, there's some places where I guess your water bill, it depends, is fixed, but whatever, in general, right? And then there's variable non-essential. And we know what that is, which is different for everybody. But, you know, we could safe to assume that there are restaurants and Ubers and Uber Eats and entertainment and sometimes even beauty and personal grooming and so on, right? Obviously, we have to get super honest here with what is essential and what is not. And that's very personal. But the beauty of labeling expenses on your spreadsheet like this, and I would just, you know, add a column and just label them F for fixed, VE for variable essential, and VNE for variable non-essential. The beauty of this is that now you can find areas where you can start trimming. And the first area that you will look to is the variable non-essential, those VNEs, right? And that's where you can really start cutting pretty quickly. Then you move to the variable essentials, and only then do you move to the fix. And the reason is that, yes, the fix will move the needle. They really do. But once you are in those expenses, it's really hard to get out of them, meaning it takes time and money, right? You can't sell your property as quickly. You can't, you know, selling a car, like these things take time and money. So, you know, from the get go, yes, of course, we would analyze these things and really be conscious of not getting ourselves in fixed expenses that are really, that we really can't afford. But now that we're in it, right? If we realize that we have to trim, the best place to start trimming is those variable non-essential things. And again, it's really personal. We have to get really honest and decide, okay, if I really want my money to go somewhere else, I'm going to have to cut here, right? Then if we need to find more money, then we go to the variable essentials and then we go to the fix. So I'm not saying don't look at fixed costs critically. I'm saying, you know, let's start with the low hanging fruit um, because, you know, a lot of these fixed expenses are are not, it's not so easy to get out of them, right? Um, and yes, sometimes the real problem is 
you know, in those fixed expenses. And after a while, we realize we just have to find another place to live or we just have to move cities, right? But again, these are long-term conversations. They, they, they require planning and such, but you'll start, you know, you have to start somewhere. And, and so you're doing great. You're already doing great. So the most important thing here is that you label these expenses, which you've so aptly tracked already, and then decide what you're willing to forego. And very, very important here, where will you um, destine that money? Like, where's that money going to go? Get really, really clear on the purpose and on the why, right? Because otherwise, it's really hard to keep the momentum going. It's really hard to make the progress. Like if your goal is really is to increase those savings, and I suspect that is part of the goal here. It just sounds from the way you phrase the question. Um, again, I suspect there's no debt. Then get really clear on what you're saving for, right? What is your why behind those savings? And, and you know, because that is meant to motivate you to be able to cut from those other places that you've been allocated the money and now cut from there and redirect the money, allocate that capital towards that savings goal, right? So look critically and start by trimming from variable non-essential and then variable essential if you need to and only if you really can't find enough to finance your goals, then go to the fixed expenses, okay? All right, so good luck with that, Anonymous. Keep us posted. Hope that was helpful. Now we have a sort of related question, really, 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 really very similar. Sarah asks on Facebook, she says, I am curious if there's a standard, and she put quotes, I'm doing air quotes here, a standard monthly living cost guideline for a from, from means referring to observant for us, for a Jewish observant couple. I know so much is dependent on location, but I would love to have something to compare our budget against. Something that takes into account a from lifestyle or a Jewishly observant lifestyle, along with savings, but not not a shoestring budget. Does this does this exist anywhere? Okay, well, <laughs> Sarah, um, it's a similar question, and and you know, hopefully, what I said above helps you as well on how to think about this. I don't know of anything. Um, I really don't think there's anything like you're describing, but I do know that if there were something remotely similar, the person to ask is probably, again, Mara Strom of Kosher on a Budget. She might have something. She might be able to guide you um, a little bit further on this. You can email her through her website or you can DM her on social media. There's also a website called Geld Guide. I think it's geldguide.com. Yeah, it is, Um, which had a very interesting article that I'll link to in the show notes on how much does a firm family need? Um, And while the article is not definitive for obvious reasons that, you know, like there's so much, you know, there's so much that can vary here, right? You know, it might help you and give you a little bit of perspective of how to think through this, right? Again, as you suggest, it depends on so much. And it's not just location. It really isn't just location. It's also has to do with styles. It has to do with clarity of values. It has to do with, you know, how much social pressure do you, you know, yield to or tend to feel. For one family, restaurants might be a two time a year occurrence and, you know, for some a weekly thing, right? So that make, you know, that varies that that the cost of food can vary astronomically, you know, some people make a lot more homemade food and others, you know, 
combine it with a lot more takeout or a lot more processed food, right? Same with festive occasions. You know, those are really, really could get really expensive, right? A bar mitzvah can be a beautiful low-key event of, say, I don't know, $5,000, even with the tefillin included, or it could be upwards of $20,000, $25,000, right? But mitzvahs, same thing. I know but mitzvahs that cost what I've set aside for my daughter's wedding, right? So I, I really think, Sarah, that rather than looking for a guideline, I would start having conversations about your values with your spouse and what kinds of things are really, really, really important to you, really of the essence, and you want to make sure you finance them and you don't want to compromise on on those, you know? And I've said, I've said it many times on the show, but two years before my son's bar mitzvah, we sat and we decided what was really important. We sat and had this conversation. What was really, really important to us? What was of the essence? And how could we finance that which was essential and stay just focused on that? And we were very deliberate about that. And we did the same thing with our daughters bat mitzvahs and we do the same thing throughout the year quite frankly and that implies that many many times we have to say to our children no that's not where we're investing why because we put our money in other places in these other places right so i would look inwards rather than outwards and try to get very clear on what's important to you get clear on whether you're financing that or not um What are you financing instead that you're willing to let go of so that those things that are really, really important to you and that really excite you and really contribute to your happiness do get financed, right? You get to decide where you put your money and how you feel about the way you're allocating your money. So good luck with that, Sarah. Now, our next question is from Diana or Diana. Diana or Diana, sorry. She asks, is it, re- is it recommended that as long as you have your opportunity fund, well, she actually called it the emergency fund, but I like to use the term opportunity fund, um, of three months of expenses, while you're paying credit card debt, is it recommended that you invest in something long-term or in real estate, or is it better to pay off all the debt? Great question. So first thing, I don't, I think there's nothing wrong with a hybrid approach. I like a hybrid approach, especially um, if we, you know, in the interest of time, especially if um, we need to, we need, we need time. Again, we want to take advantage of the time factor when it comes to compounding, right? Um, But let me just say this first, right? Set three months of expenses might be good enough for some and not for others. But assuming that this is good for you, some people need six months. Some people even need 12 months of liquidity. Okay. It's really, really very personal, but tends, it tends to be between three and six months. And if, if three months is really good for you and now you're aggressively tackling your debt, kudos to you. Again, it's, it's, it's amazing. So now the question is, you want to know, you know, should I be focusing exclusively on the debt or, or should I, you know, also be thinking long-term um, in terms of my investment? So let me just say it like this. Number one, if you have access to an employee-sponsored retirement plan, you must, must, must be contributing to it, okay? Whether you're in debt or not, whether you're paying off your debt or not, <laughs> obviously you want to be paying your debt, but you want to be contributing to, to it at least, at the very, very least, up to the employer's match. That's the minimum. Yes, you want to take advantage of that match. And if there's no match, and that means that your employer is contributing a portion of money when once you contribute up to a certain amount, and that is free money. Now, if there is no match... Well, I would either max it out, but if you really can't max out the plan, um, I would say stick to a minimum of at least 10% 
of your salary gets contributed into the plan. Obviously, more is better, but you want to stick to the very minimum. Now, if you're already contributing to your employee-sponsored retirement plan and you have your three months of expenses, I would say tackle that debt really aggressively before you start investing in any in anything else unless the amount is so big that it's going to take so long that you'll waste the word is not waste but that you you'll lose on the time factor for compounding which you really don't want to right time is such a big big factor when it comes to compounding and you can look up charts that will show you but we want to take advantage of time now in the event that you do not have a retirement an employee sponsored retirement account access to a plan um, then I would at the very least even while you're paying your debt you don't want to forgo starting to save for retirement so at the very least I would say Open a Roth IRA, a Roth IRA, if you qualify for one based on your level of income, which, by the way, is for the year 2021, about $198,000 if you're married married and filing jointly, and $208,000 if married, filing separately, and $125,000 if you're single. Now, these numbers, number one, change year after year, and also there are some in-between amounts over there where you, you know, you you there's some amount of levels of income where you can't make the full contribution, but you could still contribute to the IRA. So, you know, something is better than nothing in this case, right? Um, And so I would look into that. The contribution is typically only $6,000 a year, which doesn't sound like a lot. And obviously, you know, there are other um, retirement accounts where you can contribute more, but it doesn't sound like a lot. But with compounding, you know, it really can be a great start. And especially if you're starting early. And yes, your contributions to your Roth IRAs are not tax deductible now, but you won't pay taxes on your withdrawals later on during retirement. And moreover, the Roth awards you more flexibility than other retirement accounts in that you can take out your Roth IRA contributions, not your earnings, at any time for any reason without owing any taxes or penalties. So it's a pretty flexible account. And I would say at the very least, have that, okay? So three months expenses, we're working on your debt, you at the very least are contributing your $6,000 to your Roth IRA, finish paying off your debt and move to something else and max out, you know, and, and start contributing to, towards retirement uh, more aggressively and add on another layer, which would be, you know, not a tax advantage um, account, but still a, a long, an investment account that where you could fund your long-term goals. Okay. So again, once you have this opportunity fund, you seem to be comfortable with three months of expenses, tackle the debt as long as you're saving for retirement, either through your employer and or at the very least through a Roth IRA. Could you invest more and take more time to pay the, de- the debt? I mean, you could. But the thing he- here is that the math doesn't help you, right? Because you're likely paying a lot more um, interest on that debt than you would make on your investment. So the best thing is to work as aggressively as you can on finishing up that debt so that then you can channel mo- most of that capital, most of those funds to go to invest aggressively and uh, to fund your investments more aggressively, whether it be increase the retirement contributions or just in a plain vanilla investment account with no tax benefits, but that will actually serve to fund some of your other long-term goals. Now, again, if you have a high, a very high level of debt, 
you really need a hybrid approach because you don't want to not take advantage of time and it's going to take you a long time to tackle that debt, right? But you're also going to need a lot of discipline. Um, so either case, you have to get super disciplined and super strategic. The sooner you get serious about both clearing this debt and investing and um, um, even if it's a minimum, but with the agreement to yourself, really, it's with yourself that you will increase the amount aggressively as soon as you pay off the debt, the better. Okay. So one last thing is that you did mention real estate. I imagine that you don't mean your primary residence, um, but rather as an investment, right? And I and I'd say your hybrid approach, you know, w- would work as well if you can tackle saving for the deposit on your first investment property at the same time as you're paying off the debt. Then go for it. But again, the faster you pay off the debt, the sooner you'll be able to really get that down payment ready, that cash to invest in your, you know, in your first property, in your first investment property. So it's really very personal. It's really very up to you. And it has to do also with the amount of the debt, because that's going to affect the time that it's going to require you to um, that you're going to be required that you need to invest in trying to pay that off. Right. All right. So good luck with that. Nothing wrong with a hybrid approach. Um, you know, kind of like see how you're feeling, see how you're getting organized, but make sure that you are putting something towards, you know, long-term towards retirement and taking advantage of those types of, um, tax advantageous vehicles at the same time as you're tackling your debt um, and then get really aggressive on the debt. And then, you know, you increase on that and you also add the layer of um, longer term investments that are not, um, don't have, I guess, the tax advantages, but still, obviously, you want to be making your money work for you. And kind of the same approach with the real estate. You either can go all in on the debt and then, and then, um, you know, save for the real estate. Um, What's your comfort level? If you, you know, depending on the amount of if you want to make a contract with yourself that within 12 months or 18 months, I'm going to be great, be rid of this debt, and I'm going to start saving for that first property, then that's great. Or if you want to do it hybrid, that's also good. And you could you could change over time. That's a good news. Um, but the important thing is that you continue on this path, and you're doing great. You have three months of expenses saved up, you're already working on your debt, and you're already thinking of, you know, I need to be investing. So that's great. All right. So that's a wrap, my friends. Submit your questions for our Ask Yael Friday episodes to Yael at JewishLatinPrincess.com or via DM on Instagram, and I will tackle them here on the show. And if you want to co-host, of course, let me know and, you know, we'll try to make that happen. If you're enjoying the show, leave a review on iTunes and send us a screenshot of that review via email or by posting it on your Instagram stories and tagging me. And I'll be sure to send you a Starbucks gift card and a link for us to chat remember to look up the candle lighting time for your area for tonight and light those shabbat candles before that time and i hope you have a shabbat shalom i'll see you here monday thanks for listening to jewish latin princess podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on itunes leave a rating and share the podcast with the jewish women you love To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.